my name is Tom Chick. You're listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast, where this week we're going to talk about Devil's Double. Yeah, I Devil's am here. Double. <laughs> that was Kelly Wand. We'll get back to him in a second. But first, I am here with Christian Mernzin. Mernzin, or something like that. <laughs> Don't worry about that. You just refer to me as Habibi. Oh, that's, racist. That's, no, that's cute. I, lo- I love when you hear the word Habibi in movies. That was one of my, well, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, and also Kelly Wand, who might have a tagline for us related to Devil's Double. Kelly Wand, what do you got? Uh, Smurfs beat cowboys and aliens. Speaking of human beings. And that's your tagline for Devil's Double, is it? I, 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 uh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was just a joke. Uh, the real one is, in a way, Butterflies are the caterpillar's vampire. That's pretty deep. That's way too deep. That's so deep it went over my head. But I like it. Because the, the devil's like a vampire that's not affected by. Okay. Okay. I'm still. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to di- get a diagram of how that works. But I like it. That's good. It's deep still. Uh, Christian Merzinen. I don't. Why don't uh, you tell us a bit about this Devil's Double movie? No spoilers, because a lot of people haven't seen it. This was a very limited release this week. We didn't see Smurfs or Cowboys and Aliens. Instead, we went the art house route. We saw Devil's Double. Uh, So before we spoil it, for those of you that have not seen it, let me have Dingus here tell you a bit in non-spoiler terms uh, about this movie before we run you off and spoil it. So, Dingus, what was this thing? All right. Well, this week we saw the... Devil's Double. What? Are you serious? Oh, yeah, it's the... There's a definite article. All right, I'm going to make a note of that here. Okay, go ahead, Dingus. All right. It's a 2011 American biography drama movie (laughs) directed by Lee Tamahori and written by Michael Thomas. It's based on the books by Latif Yahia. Uh, The film is about an Iraqi soldier pressed into service as Uday Hussein's body double. It stars Dominic Cooper and Ludivine Sanyer. It is rated R for strong, mm. brutal, bloody violence mm. and torture, mm-hmm. sexual content, mm. graphic nudity, oh, yeah. drug use, mm. and pervasive language. Yep. Like Habibi. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, good, good. Okay, Dingus, uh, let's now spoil it for everyone. Uh, although I think we lost Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, are you with us? Have you moved on to another plane of existence? I think we have lost Kelly Wand. So dig uh-huh. this. Oh, there he goes. Uh-huh. Me, what? <laughs> Give us your synopsis. Do you have Do you have a name for for what you would call your synopsis of the Devil's Double? Oh uh, yeah, this one I get. Um, Snoop Dogg sent this one in. It's called The Devil's Debubba Sissel. <laughs> Good. Awesome. Uh, it's odd that he would just send that in. Like he, I don't know. It's all he sent, so I don't know why. It's a little cryptic, but obviously he's a fan of the podcast and your synopses in particular. So um, thank you. Thanks, Snoop Dogg, for sending that in. Uh, you win this week's prize. Kelly Wan, take it away. What did you call it again? Could you actually repeat uh, that? I guess. Devils to Bubba Sissel. <laughs> okay. Can you hear me? Yes, now we hear you. Uh, Jesus. 
Whatever technical I mean, problems you're having, in the words of my my good friend Len, figure it out. <laughs> Devil's doofusisle. Good, you're coming through loud and clear. That's perfect. You, really? you seem to have figured it out. So, did you hear the catchphrase? We did. The catchphrase was something about vampires and caterpillars and a butterfly, and and uh, Kutcher, I think, was in there somewhere. By the way, I thought Smurfs, Cowboys and Aliens was all one movie. I thought it was about all three of them. So um, that's that's something you should pitch. That I, I like the sound of that. Did any of us see Smurfs this weekend? By the way, the number one movie in in the country. Huh. All right, Kelly Wanda. I was sure you would have gone to that. Dingus has kids. Why didn't he see it? Yeah, Dingus. Why didn't you take your son to see Smurfs? (laughs) Because they have kids. Uh, all right, enough about Smurfs and Cowboys and Aliens. By the way, I don't, I don't regret at all us not seeing Cowboys and Aliens. Does either of you feel that, feel any sense of regret, or have you heard anything that makes you think that we should have seen it this week? Did we make the right call, do you think? Yeah, when but I, I'm a little bummed about Smurfs. But okay. go on, yes. When I went I to see The Devil's Double, I did see John Favreau walking out of the theater of Cowboys and Aliens. So I was a little why regretful he, that I didn't get to watch it with him. Why is he, what did he, yeah. Like he was walking out because he didn't like it? <laughs> well, I couldn't be tell. He wasn't, he wasn't storming out, but he was just leaving the theater. And I don't know if he had sat in there. What expression on his face? Uh, he was happy, and then when he saw me, he became glum. <laughs> that happens a lot that's when him. people, that's so people, John. Well, I think that's a little dingus too. That dingus has that effect on people. That's true. Uh, Dingus, you should have said, hey, Fav. <laughs> I said he was money. I said, you're very money. You know that? <laughs> Kelly Wan, did you have any celebrity sightings uh, this week? There was like a woman with a man's voice sitting behind me, like, oh, like the smoky voice. Like the how Kathleen Turner's voice, like hot when she's young. But when she's Let me old, guess. I know where this story goes. And you turn around and it's Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> yeah, it was Harvey Weinstein. But did you did you guys see it at the landmark? Because it's showing there, like in that theater where there are, there's all these couches and those medicine ball footrests. I was there, and what I thought was, man, he can't keep his hands off that drag queen. <laughs> this week's synopsis is called "The Devil's Debubba Sissel." All right, take it away, Kelly Wand. Oh, what I forgot to mention, mm-hmm. I was too baked and stupid to write a debopsis. So, um, by sheer Coincidence, um, I wrote Latif Yahia, or he wrote me. I forget what the coincidence was. (laughs) But I somehow didn't find the time to do the synopsis, so I asked him, the real-life devil's devil, Latif Yahia, if he could be my devil and write the synopsis for me Mm. and take the bullets of literary criticism from forum thread posts meant for me. And at first he was all... I do not write a film synopsis unless I know why I am doing it. And I went, uh. So here was his emailed reply to me. Ready? Awesome. Rock and roll. It's from Latifi here, so it's not me. So if he says anything racist, it's not me. (laughs) Or sexist. Oh, that might have been me. Uh, Hello, Kelly Wand, and happy Ramadas to your two pod friends, Tom Chick and that sexy-voiced young woman with the Jewish name. As you learned in my biopic, I now live in Ireland, which after 20 years is, I must confess, seeming like a vedi vedi poor choice career-wise for me, as it is hard to get work doubling for people here unless you have red hair and a pot of gold. 
JK, sorry, my English niched so good. <sighs> He's not the best writer, is he? Um, as to the film itself, it was as much a joy to make as it was to live through those experiences. <laughs> Everything you see in the film is true. I went to school with Uday Hussein. We had Woodshop and Holmec together. If you think he's bad in the movie, you should have seen him at age 12 with a table saw and whisk. I'm no educator. <laughs> I think he's... This can't be true. Well, it has to be, because I received it in my email, so there's your authentication. I am no educator, but pairing him up with the blind, gullible Kurdish kid was probably bad juju. Pardon my Arabic. So I served in the war... Earned three whatever the Iraqi version of the Purple Heart is called. Sorry, I only know what you Americans call things. That's why all the songs in the movie are American songs rather than Iraqi ones, and why we all spoke English. One day, I will never forget, it was a Thursday or possibly a Saturday. Uday takes me to his house, asks me... It's where he changes tenses like that. I guess that's the link. <laughs> Asks me if I'd like to have excruciating plastic cock surgery on my septum and pose as his double, which means I drive around with him in public and watch him rape young girls. I said to him, ay 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 Uday, but won't people know I'm not really you if we're in the car together? It is a convertible. That upset him, so he flayed my balls and stuck me in a jacuzzi full of potato salad for three months. I've never been so full. Finally, he pulls me out and goes, have you reconsidered? I told him, okay, I'm interested, but, and don't take this wrong, is there any way I could be your brother's double instead? He goes, he already has his own double, praise Allah. I go, yes, yes, praise, Um, so yes, but I get paid more than your brother's double, don't I? Uday goes, why should you? I'm all, uh, no reason, when do I start? Blam. A sniper bullet took me high in the arm just then. I fell bleeding to the dirt. The last thing I heard was Uday saying, Tuesday, 8 to 6. The night shift guy is Gary, FYI. There's something a little off about him, but he is very skilled with fax machine and a commendable ally in our women's dogfighting pool. The two of you will surely have much to discuss regarding Casual Friday. Well, I don't want to give too much away about the movie, but suffice to say the next 10 years of my life were pretty awesome except for the murders. Uday did most of the driving, and he knew where all the banging parties were at since they were all in his honor. And while he may not have been perfect, I've never seen a son more devoted to his mother. Don't read this part on the Internet, but the invasion of Kuwait <laughs> was started by Saddam's double when he crank-called the UN one night from our dorm while he was high on sweet tarts. We sure got a tongue lashing for that one, literally. Also, the rumor... <laughs> That Uday once shot a man just for snoring is untrue. He used an electric carving knife on that occasion, followed by a shark. Yet Uday was very committed to gun control, women's suffrage, and recycling, and he also believed that proper nouns should be allowed in Scrabble, and that Fraser was in many ways the superior of Cheers. I think he found the glam of the Seattle talk radio setting lent itself better to farce than a Boston pub. Although without the acorn, we would have no tree. Forgive my humble botanical analogies. I am a simple man, a man of the land, the sandy land. Although was it just me or was Whirlwind the hardest James Clavell novel to get into? That thing was so fucking heavy, I think I dented my ribcage. L-O-L-Z. 
Anyway, as I said, everything in the movie is true, except that the female character, Serap, was actually more one-dimensional in real life than she was in the movie. In fact, she was entirely fabricated, but in my imagination, she was greatly, greatly more one-dimensional. Also, instead of shooting Uday in the dick in broad daylight and getting away clean, I really just put sugar in his gas tank and egged his front door on Halloween and set fire to some poo in a bag on his porch, but I'm pretty sure he knew it was me. Actually, in full disclosure, it wasn't his door. It was a skillet that I actually threw eggs in while I was making him an omelet for breakfast one morning. But like I said, I'm pretty sure he knew it was me since he was hugging me from behind at the time. Uh, everything else, though, that happens in the movie is 100% accurate. Every scene, every frame that you see after the closing credits and the lights have come up, that blank screen at the front of the theater is completely accurate. As to everything before the closing credits, I have not seen it yet. I hope this has been of some help to you. If you're ever in Ireland, feel free to drop on by 615 Dublin Street, apartment 234. But I implore you again, do not read that on the Internet. Please, it would surely be my death sentence and the streets of Belfast would run red with blood for generations to come. On the lighter side, love the 3x3s, and Tom's running gag about coffee is very provocative. And yes, I second completely with you that watching 2001 to Britney Spears' I'm Not a Girl is totally the new Wizard of Oz dark side. If only 2001 was longer. Ah, well, Abo Mohabit Shamuta, my friend, A-W-K-T-T-Y-N. So... I'll try to have the real synopsis by next weekend. Followed by a shark. You know. That was so nice of him to to weigh in. That was so I know. I love getting surprise mail from our fans. That's that's a beautiful thing. Uh, Yeah, and it's considering what he's been through. I thought he had a pretty cool sense of humor about it. Everything. I I kind of approachable. Yeah, they should have let him write the movie. Yeah. Because when I saw Dominic Cooper at the theater, he was kind of a dick to me. <laughs> wait a minute. Who's oh. Dominic? No, that wasn't me. That was Dingus. And I think it was actually John Favreau I'm thinking of. And he wasn't a dick. I'm sorry. Well, that also, I now have to go through my notes. I've written Dominic Purcell in my notes. Who, I don't think that's <laughs> the right person. I have to. That's the guy who played Trapper John on one where he's bald. There is a dominant. Well, okay, that's gonna. I'll look that up later. All right, so uh, Dominic Purcell in like the Grave Dancers Union. Thing. Oh God, he's that guy. That's right. You know what? I think you're right, Dingus. I think he's like a TV actor or something. I, I feel bad now. Dominic Cooper. I apologize wherever you are. I uh, I wrote throughout here. Dominic Purcell. Dominic Purcell. Dominic Purcell. All right, good. I'm gonna fix Tom, this. There's nothing we- lower than a TV actor. I think we can both. Agree. <laughs> The lowest in Hollywood. Like, worse than nothing. Very good, Kelly Wallace. Uh, all right, so there was a synopsis. Uh, in lieu of a synopsis, far better than a synopsis. Well well done, uh, Latifa. Latifa. Right, him. Uh, yeah. Now let's talk Amazing. about this movie. Uh, <clears throat> Kelly Wand, you were the one that really wanted to see this, I believe, because you refused yeah. to see Crazy Stupid Love. Uh, yeah. So, well, I don't like any movies with love in the title. Ah, ever. right. Okay. Name, one, name a good one ever. Name one. With, with love in the, Love actually. Ugh. And it's got an adverb? That's a two for fuck that. Uh, the love... What else? Love boat? Love, uh, love uh, and other I, drugs. You like that. Love and other drugs. A little Anne Hathaway new... Yeah, I, did it I, I, I um, But see, it's, she's one of the other drugs. She's not... 
the love part is the bad part. I say right, right. Yeah. Uh, Herbie, yeah, the, Herbie the right. Herbie the love bug. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't. He's pretty chaste. More <laughs> chaste than I was hoping. You know how you learn a lot of cool sex moves from porno. I thought you learned cool driving moves from Herbie. Hmm. Okay, the synopsis is over. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about things. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this movie. So, Kelly Wand, were you glad that you saw this instead of Crazy Stupid Love? Yeah. It made me... I kept pretending the people who die in this movie were the people who made Crazy Stupid Love. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that, that doesn't sound mean or anything. Now, I have you... a lot of friends through and in the cast, good friends of mine, so I hope they didn't misunderstand what I just said. Go in the on. cast of, of Crazy Stupid Love? Yeah. Were you glad you saw this instead of The Guard, which was directed by the writer of In Bruges and also opened this weekend? In Bruges, The Guard. So he's writing, writing a slow sentence constructed of all his titles. It's like a game of telephone, right? Except strung the out of guard. Right. The Guard, The Woman, The Lost. This is how I don't, know, I don't see any of these movies. I get them all mixed up. I zone out after the word the. <laughs> so did that happen with Devil's Double? <laughs> yeah, it kind of did. All right. I have a question. It's yes. well, never mind. No, well, let's, let's, like let's open the floor now to questions. Uh, Kelly Wan, you're glad you saw this instead of Crazy Stupid Love. Uh, real quick, Dingus, were you glad you saw this instead of Crazy Stupid Love? Uh, I'm going to have to say no. Okay, I'm, I'm with Dingus. So Kelly Wand, you're outnumbered. Let's now open the floor to questions. Kelly Wand. What's wrong with you people? This is awesome. Was that your question? No. My question was, um, there's a lot of, like, cool, grisly violence in this movie that I thought was great. Okay. Um, that I'd really missed seeing from my summer blockbusters lately, so it was kind of good to get out there and see some stomachs get opened on tables and shit. I like R- that. R- a little R-rated action. We know you're fond yeah, of that. Right. Yeah, okay. So I'm a grown-up. I drove across town. I get to see stuff that I don't normally get to see. And then, but it's I'm still, like... There's no sex. There's like one sex scene, and I'm just curious why seeing a, penetra- a penetration in sex is still off the table, but you can do anything violence-wise. I don't think that discussion's been uh, had yet. I think Lars von Trier's Antichrist would disagree with you. Really? Okay, good. So there you go. That's that's what I got for you here, Kelly Wand. I played the game. <laughs> This film was was crazily coy about about showing you nudity. I mean, they they did the uh, goofy Cinemax uh, love scene where they carefully covered her tits. Uh, yeah. We never got to see the uh, the titular cock. Um, uh, Dingus, and, I, think, uh, I, I think the one thing you're missing, and this was the only time I didn't like this movie at all, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let loose in a little bit. Uh, but the one part of this movie where I was like, this could be awesome, this is maybe going to be awesome, this might be great, I might come around at this point, was the shootout at the naked birthday party. Yeah. Um, that, I really liked that scene, and I wished that Lee Tamahori had appreciated how absolutely crazy and R-rated that could have been. Uh, so when we did get a bunch of nudity there, I was like, is, is, is this movie now going to turn a corner and kind of come to life and get crazy? Uh, so... But, but you're right, it was still very Cinemax at that point. Just a few strategically placed topless women, pretty much. I see, you know what, there might have been full nudity in that scene, Dingus, is that? The there dance? might have been, it was, it was still very coy. I mean, the, the, what, you know, if you're gonna go for the R rating and have intestines spilling on a table, then 
Let's see the the lead's penis. Why not? We're talking about it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, the penis is even external. So if we can look at if we can look at a boob through a bikini, and we know the shape. I mean, we're just missing the skin tone. So you guys wanted like a, a boogie nights kind of scene. Because you know what, in the showers when they're talking, they they conspicuously have their backs to the camera. So fair, right? Point. Yes, right. Right. And, I just and question. While she makes a comment about it when they're watching the tape or when they're watching the uh, the surveillance camera. That's right. And the implication is even that she turns it back on to look some more when it's obviously right. very Cinemax, only showing dude butt action. Right. <laughs> That's enough yeah. for her. Uh, all right, but that was not my problem with the movie, though. Really, I. I uh, you know, this movie could have been. That's my problem with every movie. Is that it's not more R-rated? Yeah. E- even that guy Kamel getting his uh, his belly sliced open, I thought was pretty because it looked it was just a tight inset shot yeah. of a fake belly being slit. I mean that it, it was just kind of like a throwaway. Let's just toss in this shot of gore. It didn't really have that much connection to the scene. Uh, I wasn't that impressed with it. Uh, you know, obviously there's a flash of like cheap innards coming out of a latex belly, whatever. Sure. But it's been such a drought lately because it's been all these fucking superhero movies where people are fighting constantly and there's never any blood falling out. It was like, ah, oh, finally an intestine. Thank you. <laughs> What's the fucking July 30th? I had to wait. Well, they also, I mean, yeah. Culture are we living in where I have to wait three months to see this? Ugh. But, uh, uh, but so, since you hated the movie, I'm just curious because I thought. I'm, I really thought Dominic Cooper was awesome in this movie, and you. I want to. Boy, like, I, I didn't. I didn't. Really? I'm the only one. I'm the Dominic Cooper apologist. I, I feel be, bad because I. I feel like I should have liked him a lot more, and I wonder once I start reading reviews if I'm going to start feeling embarrassed. But I didn't. Wow. Yeah, and well, Tom, you're with. Him, huh? I'm with him in that I. I thought half of Dominic, Dominic Cooper's performance was fun. Kind of like I enjoyed watching him goof around and, and sort of clown up what Uday was like. I thought that was engaging. But the other half, like the, the Latif character, the main character, when the main character in your story, the, the, the autobiographical author of this story is such a non-entity, I think you've got a problem. So I did not care for Dominic Cooper because he didn't bring one of the characters to life. And the other one was just like a clown. And it was kind of fun to watch him play with that. But for the most part, I thought it was mostly shrug-worthy. It didn't work that much for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm overall with Dingus, but I think maybe a little bit more forgiving of, of the craft of him just goofing off. I, I kind so of, he's no Arm & Hammer Winklevoss for you. Oh, right, right, as far as twins go. Well, I, I kept thinking yeah. of adaptation. Like, adaptation was the model for the same the actor. Gold standard. That's the gold standard. For the same actor playing two characters, differentiating them, and making them both interesting and fit in the story. And I thought that was kind of lacking here. Dingus, what about what, Dead Ringers? Dead, well, Dead Ringers. You know what? I don't remember them being distinguished. Like, aren't they both just kind of creepy Jeremy Irons twins? Yeah. There's, there's nothing like like adaptation. They're so distinct from one another. And in Dead Ringers, they kind of emerge where one owns the good guy and one's the bad. But, but adaptation is still the gold standard. Uh, so, Dingus, why didn't uh, Dominic Cooper, not Purcell, why didn't he work for you? Um, I didn't. You know, part of it was the craft of the filming, which I didn't think was that good. Uh, there were a couple of times that were old over the shoulder shots where the, uh, the dubbing was obvious and didn't match what the character was saying. It was really a little painful sometimes. Uh, but characterization wise, I didn't get the separation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was often wondering, uh, how long do I have to wait before I figure out who's in the scene now? 
uh, I thought Uday, wow, I, I like what you just said, Tom, and I had some of that same uh, feeling about him just letting loose and goofing, and, you know, goofing off. I never got the feeling of what um, Kuse was talking about when he said uh, he's not foaming at the mouth. I never got this real sense of deep psychosis just goofing around. You know, in fact, uh, later in the film, I just started thinking of Jay Farrow's uh, impression of Denzel Washington, um, where he just does that thing with the teeth all the time. Uh, and then for uh, Latif, he was so one-dimensionally heroic, just constantly um, being an angel and just so uh, right about everything that I just didn't believe him as a character. And because it's from this guy's own books, uh, I guess that's how he views himself. But I, I just didn't believe that. I mean, it was was unrelentingly heroic. And with a giant dick. It was not so, only is he heroic. It was so uh, what they call Mary Sue. This whole idea that, that when somebody writes a protagonist, they sort of impose on the protagonist what they wish they were. This idea of a Mary Sue protagonist, and I, I got that sense about this Latif guy, and I actually didn't even realize until afterwards that it was really based on his memoirs, because they, the, the title card reads something like based on the life of Latif, whatever his last name was. Yeah, yeah, uh, you racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they don't reference an actual book. Um, so, but yeah, apparently this guy has written a book. But yeah, you're right, Dingus. Like he's so self-serving, and you know, he 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 has this. You know, according to this story, he personally had a shootout with Uday and his security forces, and then he rescued the girl. Uh, you know, he refuses to cover for the bride who threw herself from the, the roof, and he even this is so absurd. He even you know went back into Iraq to mount the assassination attempt personally. Like all of that stuff was just so silly. Uh, for such a one-dimensional character, I mean, I so I'm, I'm with you there. See, this is source material stuff that you're always uh, glossing over. I'm always the one saying, "Well, this couldn't have been true." What if everything in the movie was tr- was totally based on fact, which it's not? Well, like, I want I would like to address that actually because uh, let's imagine that's the case. Um, I don't understand why I have to why why you bother because there's no there's no um, there's nothing that that is illuminating here. I mean, even with the Dahmer movie, there's something illuminating there. There's nothing illuminating here. I mean, we all know Uday was a, was a freaking psycho and now we get to just sort of glory in that. It's, 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 I don't understand. Even if everything is true in the film, there's nothing that really is illuminating. I I think what this is to me is it really smacks of, uh, of somebody who has worked closely with a dictator and kind of wants to exonerate himself. Uh, it's pretty much the whole thing. It feels like exactly the kind of story you get from a defector coming out of a dictatorship. Like, like, hey, this terrible stuff happened, and you know I was there, and I, I didn't like it, and occasionally I even tried to stop it, but let me tell you how bad it was, and then I'll maybe look good in comparison. Scott I mean, McClellan. Scott McClellan, uh, Last King of Scotland, Ahmed Shalabi. Like, like the, if there's one thing we have learned in the wake of Iraq, it's that Iraqi defectors... I'm not sure. You want to take it with a grain of salt what they're telling you. <laughs> so I kind of felt that way about this story is it's this one guy just going back to that old boogeyman about how terrible Hussein was. And there's certainly truth there. But like Dingus is saying, there, that doesn't illuminate anything. There's no point. Uh, here, here's what was disappointing to me is I when it opened with the Iran-Iraq war, I thought we were going to get to see this insider's perspective on how Hussein's household, specifically through his son, evolved over the course of 
of, you know, the, the aftermath of the war up through the first Gulf War. Uh, I knew that he was killed in, uh, in the invasion of Iraq. So I thought we were going to go up to all that and get to see some of that. And, and we didn't. Instead, we just get this self-serving story that this defector wanted to tell. And uh, like you said, Dingus, I didn't find it illuminating or even particularly interesting. Well, I will. I'm kind of being devil's devil's advocate here, <laughs> but um, I think I'm with you in the sense that if they're if they're gonna just, you know, how I already feel about biopics. I think they all kind of suck. So I just sort of I know they suck, and then put that on the shelf, and then watch them anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, if they're gonna if they're gonna like make shit up. They may as well make up everything. <laughs> so to tell me at the end, all right, yeah, he, he crippled him, but he didn't kill him. And then he moved to Ireland. It's like. And, you know, I, I think that you're absolutely right, Kelly. Uh, I think that um, you can tell more truth by making shit up and being surreal and absurd and having a, a director focus on on surreal things that are made up to illuminate something about the truth or history than you can right. about just giving us this rote this is exactly what happened. I was always denying shooting people, and he was a, a psychotic person, as we all know. Yeah, and, and that's he could actually have done, done something conceptual with it. And that's what Last King—that's what Last King of Scotland is, by the way. That's a fictional account based loosely on a, a real character. But that's—that's that's a, a, a journalist who covered Africa. He wrote this this story about Idi Amin from the perspective of this fictional Scottish physician who, who hooked up with him. Uh, so I was kind of and, and that's and I thought Forrest Whitaker's Edie Amin was a really interesting character to look at and the way he developed and the way you saw how he handled his power. So I kind of was hoping for a little bit of that with Uday Hussein, uh, and I, I didn't feel I got that. I just got, you know, Dominic Cooper clowning around. Uh, um, well, I like the clowning around, but if I let me say more negative things first. If he <laughs> the, at the end he is conspiring with the groom at that wedding, right? They're right. the they're the new cabal that's going to take down Uday, and their plan is just to randomly assault him in the street while he's out. <laughs> I mean, that's not these are these two ex-military war hero guys. They're yeah. supposed to be like I think that was going to play a bigger role in the final act. Like, okay, they're not just pussies. They're like they've received medals for courage and they like know tactics and stuff. But instead, it's like one of them hap- one of them dies instantly, and then the other one <laughs> only gets away because it's the security guard he let go earlier. That was the worst assassination attempt ever, wasn't that? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's what I mean. It's like, if you're going to make something up, make something up that makes you look really cool instead of like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm wearing a turban, so they're not going to notice it's me. uh, (laughs) Hopefully he'll let me go. And then when the guy says, okay, we're going to clear the area, that means I can get away scot-free because no one else is watching me or him right now. And I don't know. It's like bad. It's what Dingus was saying about just like you can't tell who's in the scene. It's like bad directing. there's no sense of space. You're not sure what's going on outside the frame. Well, you know, I saw Hammy and melodramatic with his slow motion walking through the crowd and the Man. nod from the guard he didn't kill before and the nod back to him. It's just the whole thing just just the whole movie just devolves into this awful Hammy melodramatic soap opera. Uh, I just I just got well, and the- increasingly disgusted with it. Yeah. Well, the, and the opportunity, like Tom said, of like it could have been this awesome expose of of Iraqi politics and intrigue and like the family, the Enrique's family. It seems like the the dad doesn't look like the real guy. Doesn't he have a scene with that same guy? And he goes, "That's oh, not the real father," and like it's the father's double. 
they have a meeting or something. Well, and I, I loved I, I loved the concept, too, of the doubles talking to the double. I thought maybe it would play with that a little bit. And, you know, yeah. if you want to get an uh, if you want to make a really cool story, then where you're not you're just hewing to this one defector's recall of, of events. Make this cool little fake out story about doubles talking to doubles and not knowing who's the double. Like, I thought they were going to do some of that. Yeah. But my favorite bit of the movie uh and it would have belong- it would have fit so much better in a better movie was just that one shot of the two who Saddam Hussein doubles playing tennis with each other <laughs> taking a drink and wiping their brows just that one shot right there if i had seen that in a trailer i would have immediately thought i got to see this movie this is going to be so cool <laughs> like if i'd known that the premise was the double watching the two Saddam Hussein doubles maybe one of them's the real guy play tennis right. with each other i love that concept and there's so much you can play with there that i felt they didn't play with uh, yeah, right. in a confessions of a dangerous mind way. Yeah, just, sure. Fuck the truth. This is a fucking movie. Here's what's really happened as far as you know. And, like ima- imagine this movie done by like Spike Jones, for instance. Uh, like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Just like the with the the whole confusion of identity. I mean, and that's that's the thing is the movie as it's leading in. You think it's going to be this cool movie about this guy's confusion about his identity and how does he fit in and how right. is he going how is he going to adjust to the torture thing? The movie too jumps around so much. There are so many just gaps. You know, when does he? hook up with Sarab. You know, how does that right. happen? How does he adjust to the whole torture thing? How how does he accom- how does he adjust to all the luxuries he enjoys? He, he goes to his family and then back. You know, how does he except for that yeah. one dialogue with his father, how does he talk to his family? Like so many th- things just drop out from underneath this movie that I thought we were going to get. Um and it was also me- a little unclear to me why uh, Uday kept saying things like I'll never let you go when it's like right. doesn't he have other doubles too? <laughs> Or Why other, is this well, the one I guy? They, I think they really could have explored that because yeah. he says, I'll never let you go. I love you. And then you have that scene about the finger when he goes to the hospital and he says, if you if this man loses his finger, I will kill all of you. And that could have been a real exploration. in does he really love him? Is he just worried about losing his own finger? Is he what is he worried about? It could have been a real exploration. Instead, it's just another chance for him to, to goofily wave a gun around and chew, and, and uh, chew scenery. Right. Yeah. You could have gotten but a sense I, of of love or of you know how much he loves himself, what he wants from this man, but it's just never used in the service. Well, and uh, even yeah, that, like that scene, the scene where uh, Latif slits his wrists finally. That should have been this sort of amazing scorched earth approach to how to get out of this situation. And uh, you know, they just bandage him up and he goes home. I was like, what? That's going to be the fallout of of this this huge dramatic decision the character makes. Is ah, oh, they they just send him home. And what happens to the dad after that? Does he live or die? Is he and for, right? This and guy's the double. This guy's guaranteed he's going to die now. What happens to the dad? And they also make it. They threaten the you know the story. The threat that keeps him with Uday for so long is a threat to his family. family but right. still, he runs off. And right. the implication is that his sisters are being raped. Right. Uh, and did that actually happen? Like all of these, there are just so many gaps, you know, so yeah. many um, what could have and should have been important dramatic beats just just absent, just absolutely absent from the movie. Uh, and the movie either doesn't care, it doesn't know. I don't I don't know. And and those beats could have made something interesting. But instead, we got this really weird water. Di- here's here's my tagline for it. Not a tagline, but here's how I would describe what we got. In order of, it moves further and further away from each of these movies, starting from the first one until it's the most like the last one. But here we go. It's Downfall meets Scarface meets Last King of Scotland meets 
horrible bosses. <laughs> and I wanted something cool about about this guy's identity or this this character's progression through you know accepting torture and these these amenities, and I got none of that. Uh, I. So Kelly Wan, now what? what yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm negative. I'm, now you got to explain to us why you liked it. So I'm going to, and you're probably just going to make fun of me even harder because it's maybe a really stupid angle to, to take. But I think um, <laughs> I don't normally bring baggage to movies with me about stuff that's going on in politics or history. Really, like it's usually if it's something that has to do with my personal life, like oh, my mom died. Hey, the mom in the movie's dying. That's lame. Look, I got to get out of this movie. Where's the? What? I got to get baked somewhere. But this one, um, the the theme of the movie or the running thing is just power unchecked and everyone pretending that this insane maniac is like you just got to do whatever he says, no matter what. Like it's your only way of you just got to pretend that it's sane and normal for as long as possible for years of your life, which I think is kind of what's going on in America right now. No. Like, ah, so you're you're bringing around a political point. Like, like yes. there could be a metaphor where uh, I don't know if you're talking about politics in general, or if you're talking about the Obama administration, or maybe the fallout of the Bush administration. Like that's Uday, oh. and the American people are Latif. Right, and 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 okay. the rest of the world actually, America is Uday, and the rest of the world is Latif. <laughs> I'm just going. <laughs> All right. We're party naked. Thanks, America. Yeah, it is. It is. We're naked because it's getting warmer because of global warming. But you get what you guys. Ah, so uh, from an environmentalist okay. perspective, exactly so. right. So see, I'm doing what you did with piranha <laughs> and, and pornography to global warming and um, <clears throat> devil's double. Uh, yeah, okay. I I kind of like that. I can't accept it on the more relevant level of. Yes. Well, I. We're all apart. Again, in terms of relating it. Disjointed non sequitur fall apart for you. Well, no, no, I like what you're saying, but in terms of relating it to the actual subject matter, to what happened in Iraq, uh, to the relevance of Iraq to me as a guy who lives in Los Angeles and lives a privileged life where I can just go out on a Friday and see whatever movie I, I want to because, by God, I'm in America and the entertainment capital and I'm a middle-class dude and everything's comfortable and wonderful. So what is of interest to me in seeing this movie about Iraq? Like, that's sort of, I don't really relate it to environmental causes and the U.S.'s role in, in the environmental situation, but as far as the U.S.'s role in the Arab world and what's going on in the Arab world and what Iraq meant in the Arab world, those are the things that I really wanted to see more of and that I kind of w- was hoping for and that I feel like it totally failed to say anything relevant or, or, or meaningful there. Uh like because I, I'm I'm fascinated by the journey that Iraq has been through, uh, specifically during the years covered in this movie, and how the U.S. has reacted to Iraq. How Saddam Hussein appeared to the U.S. I mean, he was a crucial counterpart to the Iranian Revolution, and therefore he was a crucial guy for us to be in bed with. Uh, and how that changed over time is fascinating to me, and how, how he was, in ways, a very progressive, important leader in the Arab world. Uh, he was a brutal dictator, but he also worked wonders for Iraq up until the Iran-Iraq War, when that got all bogged down, um, and even up until invading Kuwait. Uh, 
the the sort of the broken down existence of the Hussein government, you, you know, his government in the wake of the first Gulf War, uh, how he'd been contained and shut down by the no-fly zone, the Kurds in the north, the Shia in the south. There's they're just fascinating stories to me there, and how it all came out, how it all led up to I, you know, one of the biggest blunders our country has made in the last 100 years with the invasion of Iraq. I'm just fascinated by all of that. And I was a little offended, not offended, but just so bitterly disappointed to see a movie that took place in that period of time that had nothing to say about all of that stuff. Um, just really, really bitterly disappointed me and my own personal baggage I brought to sitting down to see a movie about Iraq between, what is it, 1980 and 2000. It didn't say anything that deep or articulate, but I think the fact that Iraq is shown as a country that's not that – like the fact that they're all speaking English and dancing to American songs and acting mostly like Americans made it seem more like – like I just saw it as more – it was saying that we're similar. Well, Iraq is – as far as the Arab world is very uh, westernized in that it is not – you know, they're, they're, they're Muslims in Iraq, but it's uh, – they are – they were – as far as the Arab world, it's a very modern, westernized Muslim country. It's not that unlikely that they would listen to American songs, actually, uh, and that they would dress that way, in fact. You know, it's no Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, we had yeah, an enormous cultural influence Yeah. The, the Bath is secular party. than it is now. Exactly, yeah. Uh, um, uh, so, well, but, but like, for instance, Kelly Wan, where early on where I was like, okay, this movie is going to do cool things, is when the aide, the, uh, Uday's aide, the old guy who looked like an old Dean Stockwell or whatever that guy was, I kind of like that actor, when he at one point mentioned someone being carried off to Abu Ghraib. Mm-hmm. I had totally forgotten that, yeah, Abu Ghraib used to be, and this is, this is what yeah, used to be their political prison. Right. You know, he gave it a whole different name, and I, I lose sight of that fact. I, you know, we all think now of Abu Ghraib as the site of American atrocities. Right. But, you know, what that meant to Iraqis and the fact that we then con- per- continued that, that chain, that we continued to commit our own atrocities there, uh, like that sparked that awake in my memory when that guy mentions, you know, your family's going to Abu Ghraib. I was like, oh, cool. This movie is going to be it's going to be hip to these kinds of things, this kind of cognitive dissonance about everything that's happened in Iraq and the American involvement. And that was about the only time that happened. You know, briefly, he talks a little bit about uh, uh, Uday's regard for Kuwait as belonging to Iraq and some of that. And I, I thought maybe yeah. stuff would come. I think Kurds were even mentioned a couple of times. Like, yeah. wasn't Latif's father I forgot if he was actually Kurdish. Yes, you know he was. He keeps he that's what he keeps denigrating with like fucking Kurdish I made you. Well they you know they gassed the Kurds during the period right. of this movie and that was a huge I, I, the movie didn't mention that. I No it I didn't. Don't. That's weird. And I that, and you think that would play a big role in his change of heart. You would. He and, a, yeah, and instead the movie wants to villainize them by showing Uday, you know, raping brides and schoolgirls. And sure that's terrible. But that's just typical tin pot dictator stuff. I mean, I, yeah, that's, I don't want to. I'm not condoning that, of course. But you know what? I don't. That's that's such like mustache twirling villain stuff. Yeah, I'm sure it happened. That's awful. But what what about this gassing of the Kurds? What did right. have to say about that? What? Uh, and the movie couldn't have cared less. But also, well, too- I think the movie is just always terrified to show any sort of negative aspect to Latif. And I think at some point, Latif, you have to have negative characteristics he has to he's he's going to be a coward at some point because he's going to have to forsake his kurdish 
he's going to have to run away from his family. He's going to, you know, one of the things you're talking about, Tom, about things that the movie won't follow up on, what's happening to his family. You know, it, it, there's that ridiculous moment where the father says, tell this bastard to go to hell. Uh, you know, you know, that, you know, what, what it's doing is constantly letting Latif off the hook. And that thing about the Kurds, you know, instead we just see, uh, the second time we've seen, uh, George H.W. Bush in a film this year, we just see like his face, we see Dick Cheney's face, and then that's it. There's no repercussions. There's nothing that could possibly bring the main or the protagonist into a, a negative light. Right. right. Uh, but another, so, so, Kelly, I do get that, though, that, that you sort of like this idea of blindly following power. Uh, what other things made you like this movie? Well, and also, and this is just one of the thing in that same vein. Okay. Like, just a theme is like, it's the it's the idea that your kid's out of control, but you can't geld him because he's your fucking kid. So he's just gonna let your own country go to ruin because you know it's family. And so that to me is like another Bush analogy. It's like we see Bush <laughs> Senior, like ah yeah, yeah you know. Well, there's it's, a fascinating dynamic there they could have explored. And Tom, I think you need to adjust your mic, by the way. Yeah, you start um, scrambling there. There's there's the thing where where uh, Uday is complaining about the guy who brings his father whores when he's constantly whoring around himself, and then there's the father saying he should geld the son when they're you know they one comes from the other and mirrors the other, and we could have gone into that instead we we get this imposing Saddam figure who's just a cipher, and uh, while an imposing presence doesn't really tell us anything. The relationship nobody the, the relationship tells us nothing. No, no, but you just, it's more like you can see it in people's faces, like the guards and like the party guests and just like, oh yeah, it's great. It's like, uh, what the Twilight Zone where the kids running the town. So they have to have a birthday party every day for him or they'll take him to the car- cornfield. It's like who days the kid who tends you to the cornfield. So you gotta. And by the way, Kelly Wan, since you're such a champion of source material, who was actually imprisoned for killing that guy. So what do you think of that? The movie didn't point that out. What guy? Uh, Kamel, the fellow who uh, who set his father up with prostitutes, and yeah, that, that actually was a real life event uh, that happened, and it, and Saddam Hussein imprisoned Uday for that. Uh, you know How about that. Uh, it's typical biopic bullshit type <laughs> movie. Uh, you know. <laughs> right, you need to defend this movie more. Tell me other things you liked about it. Because Dingus and I have, have savaged it. We've been very mean to it. What other things did you like? You obviously uh, liked Cooper, I guess. Yeah, it seemed like a lot of work. He's got a he's got a he's got to act like a buffoon, which is something I enjoy. Um, but then he's also it'd be like having another me also in the room or the podcast, like rolling his eyes all the time. It'd be like Steve. It'd like be if John Krasinski had to play the Steve Carell on The Office and then do the same. Never mind. I don't get that reference, but I I just kept thinking of adaptation. I mean, that's the one that came to mind for me. Uh, I, you know the scene where uh, where Nicolas Cage, you know the the Donald Kaufman character, is going out with a uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal at the party, and he just does some really broad, over the top, uh, like something about implying he's going to have sex with Maggie Gyllenhaal with, with Maggie Gyllenhaal that night, something about something about pushing in the bushing or something like that, where Donald Kaufman throws his hands up and does this grossly inappropriate gesture, and then the Charlie Kaufman Nicholas Cage, like his reaction, like the interplay between those two was just brilliant. I love yeah. that kind of thing. And, I, you know, the, the, the Latif guy was just so just somber and, 
I don't know. But that's it. He was like that before, and this just made him worse. Was there any part of it he enjoyed? I I guess you guys are right, because it's like I kept imagining sequences that weren't in the movie that I just assumed were happening off screen. Um, but it was it was more a matter of uh, how I saw it as like a as a locked room mystery. Like, how could I get out of this? Like, if I kill him and poses him for two weeks, would anybody notice? So I get a flight to Switzerland, maybe? That would have been great. See, that would have been okay. awesome. Like a Hitchcockian thing. Tell me why I like your movie way better than the Deeps. It's uh, not perfect. It's a biopic. I mean, like I said, I, I, you just, it's like watching a fucking comic book movie. Like, oh, okay, I'm gonna watch guy. I'm gonna watch CG people in tights through throw CG laser bolts at each other for an hour and a half. <laughs> then I'm gonna get on. In the internet with two other guys and talk about what worked and what didn't work. <laughs> so uh, by the standards of that, yeah, this one was yellower because it was in Iraq and it was it was sunnier. Um, but uh, maybe I'm an idiot. That's why it's good. <laughs> <laughs> what did you? Who's think? with me? I think it's what was the girl's name? Say the girl's. I can't say it. What did, <laughs> you, what did you think of her, Kelly Wand? What's uh, her name? Dingus. Say her name. Ludovine Sanye, the girl who played Setup. Right. Kelly Wan, what did you think of her? She had kind of fucked up teeth, which I always find ex- incredibly attractive. I love that. I love that about Shannon Doherty, too. And she was kind of fleshy. I like that also. My only complaint was I was a little unclear at the end if she even had a fucking sister or not. Because turns out she's lying. And Uday says she's lying. But uh, does she have any... like? <laughs> What happened? Is she alive or dead at the end of the movie? Did she go back to him? Did she get off the hook? Was she always working for him? Did she have any feelings for him at all? Those are those are all excellent questions, and maybe we'll find out in the sequel. Totally unresolved. <laughs> and that was simply uh, like when she I, goes. I like that me. she wasn't some random Michelle Pfeiffer looking girl. Right, right. I just I'm a little curious. I don't. I was a little unclear on her allegiances by the end of the movie because I did she even go off with him planning to go off with him or was she just going to be Uday's spy and this was set up a long time ago those are good questions Kelly Wand I think to find the answers to those I would recommend to you a movie with Charlotte Rampling you know what I think it's Charlotte Rampling uh, and this Ludovico Savigny chick uh, called Swimming Pool have you seen this? Wait, yeah yeah, now make that real. I've seen that. Well, that that was Ludovico Savigny or whatever her name is. Right, that right. Was... She's the writer. Oh, right. right. See, so ah, you've yeah, you've yeah. seen a lot more of Ludovico Savigny than you realized. But isn't she? Yeah, yeah. That's a good movie. Let's watch that. <laughs> okay. I think, I think is... Kelly needs a break. Actually, yeah, Dingus, me and Kelly are going to go watch Swimming Pool. Can you cover the podcast for us? Yeah, I think I will actually with a big blanket. <laughs> I forget the ending though. Isn't she the killer? Like, ah, whoa, 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 whoa! Hey, hey! All right, all right, all right. You Not see? that it matters. That's that I would stop. I swimming think she's pool. Just, swimming the pool. The character is so poorly written. It's hard to tell if yeah. she's that good. Yeah. I mean, I just like that she she looked she looked uh, not you know cute petite blonde that somebody had imported from America. I, I like that she looked. Her nose was a was not. You know, American Beauty knows, and she had this other dripping sexuality about her, but she was so yeah. poorly written, it was impossible to tell. Yeah. yeah, this is probably the worst written movie I like, I think. 
Yeah. Kelly Wan, what did you think of the drag queen that he danced with? Uh, <laughs> I've tasted worse. One, two, three, not only you and me, got one eighty degrees, and I'm caught in between. La, 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 you're just convinced you can't say anything about it. To, uh, worth hearing. I do also uh, like that. All right. It's, it's a, uh, it's a jab in about that at the end too, you know. About what the drag queen actually did. Oh. Wait, what's the drag queen? <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about either. Kelly Wan. What, Dingus? Uh, Latif, you know, in his memoirs, he's, he's insinuating that Uday is having sex with the, you know, well, never mind. But the mom's kind of aggy. Spoiler. That's a spoiler, Dingus. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. He has no compunction about portraying Uday as, as doing bad things. Yeah. Also, on researching like what in the movie was historically authentic, I was bummed to learn that in real life they found in Uday's bedroom like tons of movies, including three copies of Air Bud. <laughs> wow, that's an atrocity. See? That's not in the movie. This doesn't hint that he was a dog lover. Let's do a three by three. You guys ready for this? This is the chance to catch up movies that we've seen this year to put them in old three by threes where maybe they belong, but they weren't there because we hadn't seen them yet. So this is like a time machine three. I did horribly. Did you? Horribly. Yeah, it was just too hard. I loved I, this. I, I, had a, I had a blast doing this. I look forward to hearing other people's, but mine right. sucked. I mean, I had a lot of things to pick from. I almost decided to just put one movie in all of them, but uh, yeah, I, I had I had two movies that could have been uh, easily that could have easily filled three categories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's start with because uh, Kelly wanted your three by three will be next week. What uh, What do you have for us for your number three? This is the three by three catch up. What's your number three three by three catch up? Uh, first off, your mic's got issues. Again. Hello, hello, hello. Just try not to say anything for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> Turn off your all of your antiviruses and all of your computers. Yeah. And delete your internet. Gotcha. JK. All right. My number three is probably the most self-explanatory one, so I'm just going to announce it, and then if you have anything you'd wish to say, we'll continue conversationally about it. Otherwise... My number three is um, for th- Best Weddings, which was one of our topics this year. Mm-hmm. I'd like to add Devil's Double. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's my number three. <sighs> Especially for... Never mind. Uh, All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, number three. Do we, yeah. do we have anything to... That was, that was certainly a memorable wedding. <laughs> Uh, would it be would it come in ahead of or behind the wedding in MacGruber? Um, behind it, like okay. in it, the way a human centipede would come behind another human centipede, and it just keeps getting better. <laughs> um. All right, Dennis, what is your number three three by three catch up? Uh, okay, so uh, what I'm going to do for my number three of this category is I'm going to do what Kelly Wand usually does, and I'm going to give you guys a quote. Yes, awesome. All right, here's the quote. You just fucked me. 
from Horrible Bosses? No. It's from Horrible Bosses. It's Kevin Spacey at the end of Horrible Bosses. Uh, no, no, no. It's from, uh, it's from the Tudors. Wait, that's a TV show. All right, the three by three replacement is uh, top three or great character introductions. And while I didn't like this film as much as you guys did, and Tom loved it, I think. Um, character deductions or introductions? Introductions, character okay. introductions. This was one that Tom came up with. Um, and the character introduction I'm talking about here is the character of Hesher uh, being introduced. <laughs> Good one, Davis. Oh. Right. In, in the film Hesher. And I love, I, no matter how else I felt about the film, that moment where, um, TJ wrecks his bike in the, uh, in the construction w- area and throws a rock through the window. And then Hesher just bursts out of that house where he's been squatting, grabs TJ, drags him into the house, says that line, you know, you just fucked me. Then throws the cherry bomb at the rent a cop and, and drives off. I just thought that character introduction, it was, it was so perfect for how I came to see um, Hesher as this embodiment of TJ's anger, or even at, at that time in the movie, I, I, I was thinking, is he like just part of this kid's imagination? Is he this Harvey character? And I love that introduction, that just bursting out of that house and grabbing the kid. Very good. I like that, Dingus. I'm well, glad you guys have come around on Hesher. It's about oh. time. Wait, he likes it. Not as much as me. You guys are all like, yeah, it's okay, whatever. I don't like that kind of music. <laughs> what? I like country and western, but not together. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, all right, good. Uh, Why is it called western? It's like all the southern states are east. It should be eastern. Well, that's the country part. Oh. And then you move out west, and that's the western part, you see. Cities are part of the country. They don't have those in south. Oh. So, Tom, right. what's your number three? Hey, yeah, I've been wondering. So, I am going to pick this one. I don't know about. Uh, I might swap this out. Can I have? Can I put a runner runners up in my number three spot here? Sure, why not? My runner up. No, I'm going to go with. The, okay, do you guys know who Mads Mikkelsen is? Is that really too obscure a name to bring up? No, he's in uh, one of my favorite movies of the last couple of years. Oh, uh, Hero with Dustin Hoffman. Pusher no, two. Clash, Clash of the Titans. Oh. Uh, was he in Clash of the Titans? Mm. There, were, there weren't even any Titans in it. No, he's in After the Wedding, which is a movie I absolutely adore. Oh, right. Would you keep telling us to watch? All right. Well, we know him also from Pusher 2. Uh, has, am I the only one on this podcast who's seen Valhalla? Uh, yes. I'm going <laughs> to right. I'm just guessing. but. Well, there's a Nicholas Winding, Refn Winding movie called Valhalla in which a... Uh, you know what? Is he Danish? I feel bad. He's either Danish or Swedish. The Scandinavians, I... I he might be Norwegian. I don't, uh, don't like. Anyway, there's a fellow named Mads Mikkelsen, and and for you to understand, for you to understand this one, it requires two fairly obscure things. You have to know who Mads Mikkelsen is, and you have to have seen Drive Angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the the on a Venn diagram, the cross section of those two people is going to be very thin. It's basically me and maybe four other people. Uh, Ooh, I'm excited about this. I almost did this. Uh, this is good. Good. So, yeah, this is fixing a movie by recasting one of the parts. So Drive Angry was a sort of a crappy action movie that we that we saw. I quite liked it. I don't I, I think it was kind of a guilty pleasure to varying degrees for all of us. But I it was the most pleasure for me as far as guilty pleasures go. So, however, the big problem is, is it's one of these movies that Nicolas Cage has been doing to make a paycheck. So he pretty much just slept, walked through it. 
and uh, anything that uh, that was the biggest problem with this movie. It was otherwise pretty spirited. It had some cool stuff. William Fichtner really brought the magic, which I didn't even know he had to it. Amber Heard looked fantastic, um, but it needed a better male lead. Uh, in this kind of weird southern rock opera muscle car exploitation stupid movie. Uh, and I think who would have been excellent for that is Mads Mikkelsen, because he, that same kind of character he did in Valhalla, just totally stoic, badass dude, completely committed to being stoic and badass. I would have liked to have seen that in the lead role of Drive Angry. It would have fixed the movie, and I think it would have been maybe not more successful, but certainly more of a... Uh, complete package so there you go there's my number three is fixing drive angry by replacing nicholas cage with mads mickelson man i really love that because i tried to do that for that movie too <laughs> uh no i didn't wind up on my list but i i thought of a couple people and i just couldn't nail it and i think you just did and i can't wait till you see after the wedding after how you characterized his performance in valhalla yeah well you know what i'm gonna have to see that is that on the instant watch it, it was the last time I looked, yeah. All right. Uh, who were you? Because I was trying to think of this, too. Like, who could replace Nicolas Cage in that? Did you have any good ideas? Robert I Redford. Did, uh, what? That's a great one. <laughs> I actually thought, I, I, my first thought was Robert Downey Jr. Ah. for some reason. I was thinking, okay, he'd be snarky, but, he, you know, he's not going to get, there's, there's no, there's not, I don't know if he's going to get the sense of weight that you need that Mads does. And then I thought of Eddie Marsan because I just want to cast that guy in everything now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he doesn't work either. You need somebody who's imposing, uh, physically imposing, because yeah. uh, Amber Heard's so kick-ass. And uh, so I like that. That's really good. I, couldn't, it, it, I couldn't do it. Yeah, Colin it Firth. Is- it does take some age and gravity, I think. And Mads Mikkelsen has that. I can't believe you guys haven't seen Valhalla, especially you, Kelly Wand. What? Uh, you should see Valhalla. Okay. Uh, Tonight? Yeah, I'm going to go watch After the Wedding. You watch Valhalla, and then let's reconvene and watch Swimming Pool. You're going to watch what after the wedding? Ha <laughs> ha Very good. See? <laughs> All right, Kelly One, what is your number two, three-by-three three, uh, catch-up? Uh, My number two... Wait, we did my number three. Right. What's your number two? Which one did you ask for the first time? I first asked for your third place, your number three, three by three catch up. Now I'm asking for your number two, three by three catch up. Your your number three, if you remember, was uh, Devil's Double for Best Wedding. Oh. Oh, right. Okay, so my number two of my number three is uh, Best Outfits. Remember that Golden Goody Chestnut? I do. It's like it was three months ago. <laughs> um, but in this case, it's uh, it's Bolty from Super. <laughs> But in Amber Heard's Daisy Dukes from Drive Angry. See, it's like I recast the outfit. So it's like that other one. I liked but, Bolte's outfit just fine. Although, what, I, you know, it was so it was just like no, generic superhero outfit. But it, it was the what fact that... What are you doing? What are you doing, Kelly? Hold on. But Amber I, Heard wearing Bolte's outfit. Both farting on my head at the same time. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna write Bolty's outfit in Super for, uh, best outfit. Uh, although I have to say the outfit didn't do much for me. What did for me is the fact that it was Ellen Page wearing it, because she was just so adorable in that, in that movie. No, when she said she was gushing, her outfit right that second. Mm, I don't remember that part. 
I think you're thinking of another movie, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, best beatdowns. <laughs> All right. Dingus, what is your number two three-by-three catch-up? All right. Um, how about a quote for you, fellas? Yes, awesome. Kids grow up. Ah, you jerk. <sighs> yes, but what category am I going to Because that's the thing is I was just going to do three categories that, that fit Hannah into three different <laughs> I mean, I have them. Last line, I think. <laughs> I mean, I, I, every, like everything, I could have – I had about eight, but I just, I'm just trying to plug Hannah into this category. Uh, all right, Dingus, what category then? All right, so this is, um, this is Kelly's category. Uh, and Yay! Three best fights in movies, and the fight would be between, um, between Hannah and Eric, uh, in the grandmother's apartment. Mm-hmm. Because that perfectly hits what I feel like this film is about. It's understanding of it being a fairy tale about parenting. And about the ultimate confrontation that a parent has to have that he dreads for his entire uh, career of being a parent. And I love how that shakes out in that apartment. An adoptive parent, though. Just parents. You don't have to say adoptive. <laughs> Are you going to have to have that fight with your son one day, Dingus? <laughs> uh, hopefully it will be more um, metaphorical. <laughs> Do not train him to kill with his bare hands. Before then. Well, I'm going to. He's going to learn, you know, it, I'm going to show him uh, a goodly Tamahori film called The Edge, teach him how to fight bears, and, um, and then we'll see That's what happens. That's what he directed? He directed the Anthony Hopkins movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, oh. I prefer to think of it as a David Mamet movie, though. That yeah. makes me like Devil's Double less, then. That's... Because uh, I watched, I watched, a good that. I watched about an hour of that. That's on Instant Watch too, and the first hour really is good. The funny thing about Lee Tamahori, though, and we're mentioning him because of Devil's Double, which we did before the three by three. He has got some stinkers on his resume. Oh boy! What? Next, next, yeah, uh, the the triple X State of the Union thing. Uh, I think it's the uh, one with Ice T or Ice Cube, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Ice Cream. Uh, is there is there a rapper named Ice Cream? There should be. Ice Kareem. Uh, but yeah, so, uh. So yeah, I just love that fight. I love the way it breaks down and what it says about. I really like context in fights, and I like what it has to do with the film. So here's, this is kind of a runner up. Well, you know what? I don't, never mind. I don't want to mess up anybody's list, so I'm not going to bring it up. <laughs> so Eric Bana and Hannah's, or Eric Bana and Sir Sharonin's fight in, in Hannah. Good. Wait. Uh, oh. What? Whose was that? That was Dingus's. That was Dingus's number two. So uh, here we go. For my number two, let me give you a line from a movie. You ready for this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's do this. Uh, That's good. Who's that? Oh, Kelly Wand from the Quarter 3 Movie Podcast. (laughs) Wait, I'm trying to think of a line. I think you want to razzie. I'm going to think of a line. Here's a line. Uh, she's from Sri Lanka, and and I found her, so she's mine. No, <laughs> was I close, Dingus? Does she speak English? No, because she's from Sri Lanka. I found her, and she's mine, and she has a dog named Trudy. I'm pretty sure I got the intent of the line, if not the actual wording. Wait, uh, I, I need you to do it in an accent, though. Can you give us an accent, Tom? <laughs> there is this horrible, horrible, horrible horrible comic book movie that Stephen Frears directed called Tamara Drew, 
with Gemma Arterton in the lead role. <laughs> and that girl from Hannah, so by the way, mine is from Hannah, I'll tell you the category in a minute. The girl from Hannah who played Sophie is in it. Uh, which is the only reason that I got it from Netflix and watched it. And it's I just, got it. Why don't you like that? Look at her. Look Tamara at her. Drew? Yeah. Tamara Drew is terrible. Do you oh, know? Look it's, at the, yeah, but look at it's from a, No, no, she looks good, but it's from a girl's like comic book that's so, about like... Look at her. Look at her. Look yeah, at her. Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. Look at, those, look at those. Look at these. Before you, before you oh. say anything about looking at Jim Arterton, Kelly Wand, have you seen Disappearance of Alice Creed yet? No, so we move on. She doesn't wear... <laughs> she looks sad in those. You see how I roll that? Yeah. All right. Anyway, so here's here's what I did with Hannah. Uh, prison cell moments. Our best moments involving prison cells. Uh, that was one of Dingus's three by threes. And I just wanted to bring up the uh, Hannah's escape and the shock of the the point in that movie where it goes from being where you're not exactly sure what it is to that to her pulling out the gun and you realize kind of what she's been training for and that there's something going on here and that she actually has the upper hand and then it transitions into this weird music video action sequence like the shock of that sequence early on in Hannah I just loved and it starts from a prison cell so I'm just going to cheese that into best best moments involving prison cells. Dingus oh, as the breast moment. No, no, she's too young. As Dingus as the keeper of that 3 by 3 does that qualify? Oh, it does, and I like it because because uh, of her line where she she says, "I've never been in a room like this." Ah, that's right. Yes, yes. So ah. but when you when you said that girl's line, I thought you were going to say a character introduction because I also like that character introduction of that girl saying that line that you just said about. That Sri is a, that is a great character introduction. One of the things I love about it is how she's standing there using one foot to scratch the back of her calf. It's like just such this. Just relaxed child performance. I, I guess actually she was not a child; she's eighteen or whatever. But uh, that actress was so good in that role. Uh, it's also I just love it's a place. I love the pacing of that whole prison sequence. How it's it you know when when it turns into what you said, like that almost yeah. music video, and she shoots the cameras and moves on. And yeah, it's good. I like that. She even asks too, "Are those cameras?" I believe. Oh yeah. So she's sussing out the place. Yeah. Uh, all right, so there you go. So uh, that Hannah belongs in my 3x3 uh, three three for best prison cell moments. So we've all done our number twos. Now it's down to the wire. Kelly Wand, what is your number one? You've got a new best wedding. You've got a new best cost, best outfit. What now do you have to replace to uh, for your number one? Tom, those were just preambles to my number one. All right. Numerically. Uh, my number one is... Uh, Okay, I recast a part to save the movie, which I believe is one of your vintage topics from our uh-huh. golden years. Uh-huh. I recast Human Centipede with John Houseman at the front and the situation in the middle and Jay Leno at the back. Okay, we haven't done a podcast on that, but I guess if you saw that this year, that's fair enough. Uh, Human wait, Centipede is... I forgot, that's a rule, huh? <laughs> well, uh, okay, wait, 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 wait. Captain no, America. No, 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 Captain oh, okay. America. He starts out as uh, Ken Jeong, and um, he ends up as Steven Seagal after he takes the super serum. So Steven Seagal as Captain America. Yeah. All right. And the serum de-Asians him? Is that yeah. part of how that works? All right. <laughs> They're fighting Japanese, so Ken Jeong, be out of here. <laughs> Uh, Dingus, when we were out last night with our friend Lynn, I uh, I met the fellow who played uh, I'm from Fresno Ace and uh, passed Whoa. along. I passed along your kind words to him. So, <laughs> so good. I'm I'm happy. Yeah. 
Uh, so you remember Kelly Wand? I don't know if you know this, Kelly Wand, because you don't know much about comic books like I do, uh, but Captain okay. America's band of, of brothers is called the Howlin' Commandos, you oh. see. <laughs> Why? I don't know. That's just what their, it's their name. There's con, there's whole, it's in the comics. It's not in the movies. And one of the Howling Commandos, the Asian fellow, the actor who played him is a, is a friend of a friend of mine and Dingus's. So oh. when I was out last night, he was there and I was like, my, I, you know, you did a great job. You know, it's That's too great. bad you guys didn't really get more. stole the movie. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, well, I did tell him he was upstaged by Neil McDonough's facial hair. Ah. Hey, uh, did those guys get put in the ice too? I, I think they're, they're done. As far as I know. Done. Yeah. What's that mean in military terminology? It means they are light brown. Hmm. Howling commandos. All right, Dingus, what is your number one three-by-three catch-up? Uh, I will do a quote from it. Awesome. Hmm. People look stupid when they cry. Uh, oh, oh, uh, oh. Uh, 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 God, I beneath know. Beneath the planet of the apes. No. Dead gummit. Scanners. Well, you know, the reason I know it is because these are all movies we've seen this year. So it stands to reason that I know it. Uh, people look stupid when they... Water cry. World, because salt water. Is it Bridesmaids? Up, 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 up. <laughs> is that a spoiler? Concord, <laughs> Air, oh, Airplate 79. Airplate 79. <laughs> it is uh, not Bridesmaids, no. Bride's Plates. I don't, in that case, I don't think I've seen it. Uh, you might not have, although I know Kelly Wan has because it was his number two. What was that? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's when it's when Rain Wilson is praying at the beginning of Super. Oh, is that right? Okay, right. Now what and, category? Because there's no category favorite scenes of people praying. Right. That's absolutely true. And I've already used this one for tears, so I can't be talking about crying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm yes. talking about is a category that Dingus came up with. Uh, called favorite opening credit sequences. Ah, yes. Mm. And I am. I, God, I, I've watched this so many times this week. I I freaking love this opening credit sequence. It it, it comes after that moment you're talking about, Tom, and it comes like four and a half minutes into the movie. Um, but it is the opening credit sequence, and it's this wonderful animation uh, by this group uh, called uh, Puny. Uh, which which also does animation for the show called Yo Gabba Gabba, <laughs> but but they did this fantastic opening musical number to this song by a group called Sar called uh, Calling All Destroyers, and it's uh, this great tra- in this great tradition of of like an overture or a ballet from a musical that tells the story of the show in in a musical way, um, but I, I just I I freaking love this opening sequence. I I was tempted to link to it when you put a thread up, Tom, but I think it sh- I think it really should be viewed in the context of watching the movie, right? And and people should really uh, resist because I, I, it's all over the internet. Whenever when because it took me a long time, and this really annoys me. It took me a long time to find out who Puny was and who had actually done the credit sequence. Well, that doesn't Google uh, very well, I can imagine. It really doesn't. But what happens is five hundred bloggers. Just linking to and embedding the, the just the video of the opening credit sequence, and I think it's a real mistake just to watch that without watching the movie because it really exists in the reality of the movie in an important way, and it's just clever. And it, I just I'm a sucker for opening credit sequences that are like this. So you're not picking that then, Dingus, for your most sincere portrayals of religion? 
I am not. I'm picking it for credit. <laughs> what about stupidest robots? <laughs> what about them? <laughs> what about dismembered heads? What about them? <laughs> okay. I could do this all day long. <laughs> all right, my number one. Let me give you guys a line. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. She's from Sri Lanka, and I found her, and she's mine, and she doesn't speak English. How's that? Was that better? <laughs> Wait, I thought Avatar was 2009. <laughs> so I got—I couldn't resist. They were all going to be Hannah, but I wanted to get in my drive angry thing. Uh, so this is my favorite hitman slash assassin moment, and it—and it's you know what? It's also my favorite. I would put it in, in flashback moments, but I'm, I'm technically going to slot it in the 3x3 three three for Hitman assassin moments. And it's Kate Blanchett's uh, flashback to ambushing the car that has Hannah, Eric Bana, and Hannah's mother in it. And, and I, you know what? I realize we probably shouldn't say too much about it because there's spoilers and Hannah's not out on DVD yet, so maybe people haven't seen it. Uh, but there's a great flashback of an assassination scene in Hannah, and I love when it takes place. I love how it is shot, and I love the information that is revealed during this scene. Uh, and it's just a, uh, and I love what you learn about the plot and the character who's having the flashback. So uh, that's my number one: is that assassination flashback in Hannah. Why don't we just say call this three best things about Hannah? The list. Because then you couldn't have brought up your Steven Seagal and Captain America, oh, right. or, so that wouldn't uh, have worked. Drive angry, yeah. Or, or we, yeah. we might have also had to do three best things about Super because I had a couple of things that Super was. I could have done all three for Super too. What were your runners up? So let's talk runners up. What runners up did you have for Super, Dingus? Uh, Super could have been uh, the one I did, the best opening credit sequence. It could have been the dream hallucination um, with uh, you know the God touch. That was weird. I didn't. I, well, you know what? Yeah, that that was like where the movie got really trauma, and I wasn't sure I was on board with it. I'm still not sure. That was a weird scene. It's very freaky. It also could have been best uses of eggs, um, because I love that opening <laughs> moment. It has a callback the, too. It has a callback where Kevin Bacon brings it up again. Yeah. Right. Right. And also, um, after seeing this at at some point, uh, uh, I went camping with uh, with a couple friends of mine. And uh, and I just have to say, for the benefit of everybody listening to this, uh, Tom makes damn good eggs when he's camping. Euphemisms. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if he's using those special brown eggs or what the hell he's doing. Mm, but I just went camping last weekend with my family, Euphemism. and uh, nobody was cooking eggs like that on my cooking trip. I don't know what the hell you did. But when I saw that scene again this week, when I was watching the opening credits thing, I was just damn, those eggs are good. <laughs> I, I think Kevin Bacon is being disingenuous when he says those things, Dingus, so I'm not sure how to take your comments. It's the best but... use of eggs. <laughs> I don't think he is because because we come to find out that um, that uh, Dwight Schrute is a shorter to cook and a very good one. So I, I don't think it's a stretch to think that he knows what the hell he's doing in his own kitchen. All right. All right. Dwight Schrute? Why would you do that? Dwight K. Schrute. The, the poor guy is typecast. He's already a great actor, and he's going to be typecast as Dwight Schrute forever, and you're just adding to that dingus. I, hope I actually just actor. made a mistake. I apologize. All I right. say Todd Fields. Hmm. Todd Fields. Uh, so Fields. I, I also had for uh, for Hannah, I, I wanted to try to fit in for Hannah MacGuffins worth mentioning. Like we had a, First of all, this led to a big argument about what is a MacGuffin. But whatever the MacGuffin is in Hannah, I think it's worthwhile. And I'm not sure what it is. What 
What is the MacGuffin in Hannah? She is. Well, I think it's parenthood. Hmm. No? No one's going to dispute me on that? Or is it, have I just stricken you into stunned silence because that was stupid? You're stricken well, me into stunned Well, it sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's like it's what the characters are after. It's what Marissa, it's what Eric Bana's character, and it's what Saoirse Ronan's character and Kate Blanchett's character. It's what they're all after. Well, and if, if, to be... if you think of a MacGuffin as what the characters are chasing, like the Ark of the Covenant or whatever, I, I think that's kind of that's kind of what Hannah is doing there. In yeah? the same yeah. way that true love is the MacGuffin of MacGruber. Okay. <laughs> you know, I wish we could. I wish there was a technology that we could transport ourselves into the Hannah podcast and actually talk about this in depth, because because now I'm, I'm very interested to talk about who the protagonist is and what that protagonist is looking for. Um, but I don't want to start ruining things. All right. In that case, let me give you another runner up movies that make political points without hitting you over the head. How would you guys feel about putting buried in there? Fuck? Yeah. All right. Thing <laughs> is, you this year, though? I thought that was last year. Nope. We, well, it, it came out last year, but we saw it on the, the DVD release, which was this uh, year. Time right. is a human construct, bro. It's very good. That's a very, that's deep. That's as deep as your tagline for devil's double. I can't remember. Uh, I also would have chosen uh, Hannah for production design of that cabin. Yes. I love that place. Oh, just of the cabin. Okay. Uh, the whole movie. Well, the whole thing is good, but if I were going to – what I did, often did with production design was pick, like, a specific thing, like the war room of Dr. Strangelove or whatever. Right. Um, but but that, that cabin in particular, the way it was put together, the way everything was – I really liked that cabin. What about, for favorite outfits, the uh, red containment suit in Phase 7? Mmm. Yeah, good one. I, I like that. My my phase seven one was uh, babies that don't ruin it. My phase seven was movies that deserve sequels. <laughs> phase all, we all had a phase Wait. seven runner up, but they were all different lists. Dingus, yeah. you talking about the daughter in phase seven? No, I'm talking about the baby that is. Oh, that isn't born. Right, right. right. And, and we never a... get that moment of oh no, she's going into labor. Oh, what are we gonna do? So the baby just kind of stays. Yeah, in. the baby's inside the woman. It's it doesn't run anything more the merrier you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Kelly Wan, did you have any runners up? I also had um, the sexually reluctant, sexually harassed dental hygienist assistant to Jennifer Aniston as least convincing job. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, Kelly Wan. Right. I think you just won. <laughs> All right, so Kelly Wan, uh, on that note. Ahmed, I imagine you've got a great 3 by 3 for us uh, when we come back after our break next week. What is the 3 by 3 we'll be discussing two weeks from now? Do I? <laughs> well, okay, you know how I uh, pick 3 by 3s by thinking of something that I think is dumb and then going, oh, okay, three exceptions to that? It's like the Socratic method thing, you know, where you just end every sentence with, is it not? <laughs> okay. All right, so uh, you know how... Uh, Slow motion on Six Million Dollar Man was used to signify that he was moving really fast, and we were and that totally we bought into that like yeah okay I get it he says slow it's fast okay I got it mm-hmm. all right so okay I hate slow motion I think it's CG but overcranked um hmm. so three best uses of slow motion in a movie uh, Kelly Wan I I don't imagine myself saying this very often to you but that's a good three by three. Yeah, it is. 
<laughs> well, my other, my original one was three best dicks. Save it. Oh, good. Oh. <laughs> okay, don't save that one. <laughs> the last I, second. I really, I, I really like that you chose this because uh, the film we saw this week had one of my least favorite uh, examples of that. So oh wait, wait, these are fun. these are our favorite, not our least favorite, right? Right. Like we want to. That's right, Kayon. We want to speak approvingly of slow motion. Yeah. The other one would be easier, though. No, no, no. Let, let's, uh, you know, slow motion is, is, you're right. It's it's cheesy, and it makes you think of Steve Austin. I thought uh, it ruined 300. I found 300 unwatchable because every... Hey, that might be my pick. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Wait, is, is slow motion... Well, never mind. We're going to save yeah. it. We're, we all know what slow motion is. Uh, but in Rocky 3, it's awesome. I'm not going to take that off the table. Oh, Kelly wants talking still. And what are we going to see two weeks from now? Crazy oh. Stupid Love, right? Fuck that. No three adjectives in a single title. No. How about then... We'll, we'll, we'll catch up with the cow, Cowboys and Aliens, yeah? Mm, Smurfs. Apes. Wait, no, we, what's the... No, 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 no. Final Destination. No, we are not seeing Final Destination. What? We're seeing, uh, Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. So we're, we're actually off next week, so we will not be here next week. But the week after, we will be returning with Kelly Wan's 3x3 of Best Uses of Slow Motion, and we will have seen 30 Minutes or Less. All right. Yeah, what do you think of that, Kelly Wan? So we're not going to do a 5 Null Destination podcast? Well, we don't know. Maybe we will. Let's see how August shakes out. In the meantime, yes, everybody's... Geez. Let, we'll see 30 minutes or less. And uh, How long's the movie? Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> Very good. I, like I walked out the third of the way in. <laughs> uh, so join us for that in two weeks. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Mazzini, I think. Mazzinzi. It's Christian Morosky. Mm, I don't know. And Kelly Wand. Body switch movie, Bruce Campbell's Hand in Evil Dead 2, and Thing in Adam's Family Values. Oh, you're still there. <laughs> hey, another body switch. The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus and Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Actually, a building switch. I, I should have gelded him at birth. 